Welcome to Fueling the Revenue Engine. My name is Roz Greenfield, co-founder and chief enablement officer at Level 213. This podcast was created as a response to requests that we've gotten from the enablement community looking for resources to support them as they navigate this evolving landscape of enablement. As we look to the future of our profession, we believe that this is a great time to connect with other enablement leaders for discussions that take a closer look at relevant enablement topics. It's our hope that this podcast provides insight, guidance, and support to the go-to-market enablement and sales leadership community during both prosperous and challenging times alike. We're coming to you from San Francisco, California, where we are in the middle of figuring out what the impact of the coronavirus will be now and in the long term. For the immediate future, we are still under a shelter-in-place order here, which means that we're using conferencing technology instead of studio sessions to put this podcast together. As such, please excuse any fluctuations in our audio. I'm real excited for today's conversation. Today, we welcome two guests, Rachel Ha'o and Sophie Wicks, two sales and enablement professionals that I personally had the privilege of working really closely with as they made their transition from sales to enablement. Some of the best sales enablement leaders that I know of actually started out their careers in either sales and customer success. And what we have found is that experience of being either a quota carrying rep or customer facing uh, success manager or anything in a customer facing role really provides a perspective that is so valuable to the sales enablement function and also to the teams that you're supporting within sales enablement. So today what we're gonna be talking about is that path from selling to enabling. And we're really fortunate to be able to get the perspective from two individuals that made that transition themselves. So welcome Rachel and Sophie. We're really, really happy to have you with us today. And as we get started, I'd really love to ask each of you if you can kind of give us a brief overview of the career path that led you to your enablement role today. So why don't we start with you, Sophie? Um, well, thanks so much for having me, Roz. I'm really excited to be here when you reached out. I was at, um, Excited for the opportunity uh, to, to talk a little bit about the transition. So I have had kind of an interesting uh, career journey. I, I started in a totally different world. I studied psychology and women's and gender studies in, uh, in college and then graduated from college and went on to be a Peace Corps volunteer and lived in a tiny country in South America and came back to the States and tried to figure out what I was going to do with my life um, and ended up landing a job in sales. Um, and I was a BDR, the kind of BDR that was smile and dial. I was making phone calls all day and ended up really liking it and being really good at it. Um, and then I worked my way up through that organization. And then from there, after about two and a half years at that company as an account executive, um, got an opportunity to join a really small startup. And the company, when I joined, there were about 18 people. And I was one of the first two sales hires. So I was able to jump in with both feet as a sales rep at this tiny company and was able to be on board with them as they grew into a really grown up size organization. And so I was able to grow with them as a sales rep for about five years, um, really getting an opportunity to have to know the depths and the nooks and crannies of everything within the org, which I think, you know, looking into the future has really served me well while I was there. Mm -hmm. and then got to a place that a lot of people do after you've been an individual contributor for a while was really ready for something different. Um, I really wanted to lead a team that, that being able, that teaching element that now I have found in enablement was a part of why I really wanted to manage my own team. And so I got an opportunity to manage actually a client sales team, which is basically account management minus the customer success stuff. So I was managing a few people who were 
um, responsible for managing our existing client base and cross-sell and upsell. But then at the same time, the CRO was like, hey, while you're doing this whole client sales thing and managing that team, can you start sales enablement? How's that sound? No big deal, right? Um, and so I said, sure, I'll give that a try. And, um, cause it's an add on function. Yeah. Just, just start a whole department. No big deal. But then also continue to manage this whole section of business, but got to a place where I had to make a decision of which direction I wanted to go. And I was at kind of a crossroads where my heart really was. And I decided to go the enablement route. So then I transitioned into, um, building and managing sales enablement at that company from the ground up. And, um, then stayed and did that job for a while, got things off the ground. A lot of work that I'm really proud of that I was able to accomplish there and was able to leverage a lot of the things I learned along the way and what informed the way that I thought about mm. sales enablement at the company. And then um, I got to a place where I realized that they weren't going to help me get there with the next steps that I needed to take if enablement was where I was going to build my career, that I needed more and so I made a really hard decision to move on from that company after having been there for six and a half years uh, and decided to join a much bigger company. So now mm. I'm working for a large billion dollar publicly traded um, company with tons of people and tons of process and tons of not process and mm. a sales enablement team of 12. So yeah. going from myself trying to figure it out with not, not a lot of other expertise to a really rich group of people that um, have a lot of different expertise from other departments. You know, we have people that are coming as from salespeople like myself. There's people that are coming from product marketing. Um, we have people from product that, you know, we have a really diverse team, which is really exactly what I was looking for yeah. going from having been that build it myself, try to figure yeah. it out scrappy to a place where I feel like I can really develop, but that in that comes its own challenges of being part of a big company and seeing where things sure. are hard to get done or too many cooks in the kitchen, that kind of thing. Yeah. So that's kind of so where I've landed now. Yeah. Yeah. You come up with a really interesting perspective because you come from the grassroots kind of build it up on your own, but you're now also seeing it from, from a much bigger company with, with a larger team and sales enablement. I think we, it goes from a one person show to before you know it, there's a, there's a team of people with, with, with different responsibilities. So that's going to be really interesting in this conversation just to kind of see um, from, from all those angles and all those lines. So, so thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Rachel is going to have a, some similarities and some differences, which is interesting. I didn't even realize as you were talking that there were more similarities than I, than I knew of beforehand even. So Rachel, I'd love to hear your, uh, your path and how you got to where you are today. Thanks, Jess. And thank you as well for having me be a part of this um, I didn't really know sales enablement was even a function before I met you. <laughs> so now just having the opportunity to speak to what that path looks like and, and hopefully inspire other potential enablers along the way is something I'm super excited about. Uh, you all already touched on this, but my background is actually more similar to Sophie's than I realized. <laughs> I also had kind of a um, interesting path that led me to sales. I was pre-med, pre-law in college and immediately after graduating thought that that's what I wanted to go into. So I kind of did like a dual internship at a health startup while also working at the district attorney's office. Um, 
interning does not pay the bills. <laughs> mm-hmm. And unless you want to spend the next like four to eight years of your life in school, uh, you kind of have to quickly make a decision with, with what you're doing. So I got into tech because I was already interning there as like a business development type function. Um, really broke into sales, meeting someone at a Giants game, <laughs> networking. They're like, we're hiring for SDRs on our team. You'd be a great fit. You're really personable. Uh, so I gave it a shot. And I think that that one hand up or like hand into having a career is like the first of many times that I was given an opportunity or, you know, had someone kind of like paving the way for me to be successful at something in sales. So had a couple trials as an enterprise SDR uh, made a really rough jump from an enterprise SDR to an account executive. I was lucky enough that I actually did bump into a recruiter at my last company who believed in me. So just like encountering these people kind of along the way in sales that were willing to take a risk on, on me with like very little experience. Um, I started at a small startup company and I think I was the fourth fourth sales hire, no official onboarding outside of like the first two days where HR uses your passport to like set you up with direct deposit and do your background check. Mm. Uh, And I didn't want to be a burden on my team because I was the youngest member in tenure to having a closing role. So I wrote down all of the questions I would have throughout the day and then ask them all at once and then write down the answers to them. And then once we started hiring more, I recognized people actually had the same questions that I had. So I would like Mm. give them the doc, kind of walk them through it. And my manager at the time was like, you're kind of onboarding people. Like, do you want to onboard people? Like we're going to be hiring a lot. Um, It would be really great if you could kind of like share what you've built so far, which was at the time a really scrappy rules of engagement document and an onboarding PDF or what we were calling an onboarding PDF that I now look back on and cannot believe I gave to people to use in their training process. Um, but I did that while I was quota carrying. I was an account executive for, I believe, a full year and a half. And then uh, we actually brought on a new head of sales, Travis Bryant, who pulled me aside and said, did you know what you're doing is a real job? It's a full-time job. Hmm. Um, do you want to do that job <laughs> instead of the one that you're currently doing as an account executive moonlighting as an enablement person? And that's when, obviously, he introduced me to Raz. I went through the apprenticeship program, and I, I haven't looked back mm. since then. Yeah, it's funny to hear you talk about that, that binder that you gave out. And, and it was great, and it got people enabled. And now you also have a lot more process and, and, and an understanding of, of what the salesperson needs. So really, really interesting journey. So, you know, and you talked a little bit, Rachel, about, you know, you were moonlighting as enablement or you were writing down questions that you had yourself as an AE that, oh, other people are going to have it too. Um, so I'm curious, what was it when you were still a salesperson that attracted you to do that? What made you say, I'm going to be the person that's going to figure out how to onboard it? Or when they said, hey, you know, continue being a code carrying person, but guess what? You're onboarding people. Can you do that? What was it about this function or this or, or, or the end result of what you were doing that attracted you to do this? So I kind of alluded to this. I've had so many people help me to get me to where I am today. And I felt like 
every opportunity I had to pay it forward and helping other people mm. in the same way, but I, I had to do it. So I almost felt kind of a duty <laughs> to sales mm. enablement and the joy of- Like to pay it forward? Yeah, to pay it forward. Yeah. And to like really hear people say, wow, if you didn't show me how to do that, mm. I wouldn't know how to do it. Or, you know, my manager was too busy to show me. I really appreciate you taking the time to do that. Like mm. that, those moments of, hearing someone say something on a call that you helped them craft or develop a skill that you were there kind of coaching them through or just like being a part of someone else's success that's what really attracted me to mm. enablement yeah and it's interesting because in, i think in enablement we tend to like we're enablers and in some in some um, um, contexts that could be a negative thing but in this case it's a positive thing where you're you're getting joy and fulfillment out of seeing somebody else be able to be successful which at the end of the day is the re is a very very big part of the reason why enablement exists and the other thing that you said that that I thought was really really smart and I wanted to kind of just point it out is you know the the coworker or your colleague saying my manager doesn't have time and you know there's this question of whose job is it to do enablement is it the is it the the sales leader is it sales enablement my personal belief is it's a partnership, but mm -hmm. it's sales enablement is there to help the sales leader because they can't necessarily do it for every person. And also they may not have the natural skill set that you both have that made you be the ones that, you know, the CRO calls over and says, Hey, we think you should be able to do this. Or, you know, I notice you're doing onboarding. Can you help other onboarding people do it? But really getting people to be as successful as possible when, especially when they're new and that's a, that's a really good use case. So uh, thank you for sharing that. And so Sophie, I'm really curious for you, when you were transitioning or right before you transitioned into the, the full-time enablement role and you were leading the client sales team at the time, why did you believe or what was some of those things that made you believe that you can be successful in an enablement role? Like what were what those things that kind of pulled you? For me in particular, I mean, if you just kind of look at like my pre-sales life, there's been like a teaching element as that is part of who I am that has always mm. brought me joy, which is actually probably part of why I ended up liking sales. Um, mm -hmm. I think that I was a good salesperson because I am a good listener and I like to help people just like mm. Rachel was saying, it's, there's this like helper mentality. So I was in the Peace Corps helping people learn about HIV AIDS prevention. And then I just happened to move into a different life teaching people about how to sell software. Um, but in terms of thinking about what, how I think I would be successful or what would help me be successful, I think a lot of it is that just teacher mentality. Mm -hmm. Um, Rachel described that as well in terms of this kind of innate desire to teach and learn. And I think mm -hmm. I, I learn mm -hmm. through teaching. And so mm -hmm. that was what helped me feel kind of, um, dialed in. And so to get back to your question, which is what do I feel like? Um, helped me know that I was going to be successful if I have that right. It was that mm -hmm. I, I have deep empathy for sales reps because I've done it. Mm. Um, I think like there's a lot of things, I think a thread in, in this conversation about going from being an individual contributor seller to enabling is this really important blame um, element of empathy. Mm -hmm. with buyers and with sellers and having like carried a bag and what that's like. And then also empathy for challenges, like having been 
a rep and knowing what, what process really sucked or was mm-hmm. slowing me down. Or if I could just get this tool, it would be so much better. Or I'm really frustrated with product marketing because I just need them to give me X, Y, Z or whatever the thing is. And having been able to walk that walk, um, mm-hmm. I knew was going to set me up for, even though I was going into a world I didn't really know anything about, but I knew that both that teacher mentality of just part of who I am and my personality combined with like the empathy and knowing of what it's like to be a sales rep was going to at least get me started. And then honestly, I needed help. And I (laughs) thank goodness, like you came into my life because I think um, working with you, Roz, definitely helped like bridge that gap beyond gut instinct, trying to figure it out and then being able to implement the real programs. Yeah. But what you're saying is that's so brilliant is the fact that you have had been in that role. And so you were able, as you enable people, you're putting on the head of the salesperson, which is the person you're trying to enable at the end of the day. But even more than that, what I love is you also put the head, put on the, on the hat of the buyer or the customer that's being that, that, that we're here to serve. And, and I loved how you said, how you saw sales as teaching. Cause I think salespeople that, that see that they have, that they're helping somebody are salespeople that are successful, right? Rather than pushy, right? It's like, I, I have, a, especially in, in you know, the, the, the situation that we find ourselves in today in a really, really tough economy, the salespeople that, are, that, that truly believe that I have a solution to a problem that you have, it's very different than I'm trying to sell you something in a time when nobody's spending money. Mm-hmm. And, and having that a person enablement that understands that and therefore is able to put out the resources and the trainings and the, um, and the guidance and the coaching to help the salesperson do that is really going to help. It's really going to be beneficial to them. And my next question to you is going to be, how is it beneficial to your, to, to the team, to your, your, um, your enabling, but I feel like you answer that in, yeah. in what, in, in what even attracted you. So, so that's really, really brilliant. Um, Rachel, what are your thoughts on, on the, how your um, experience having been a, a customer facing human um, helps the people that you're enabling? Having put on the hat, of a salesperson or having lived through a lot of the challenges or moments where maybe I was not taught something in the most effective way or attended a training where I rolled my eyes and sent Mm. emails, um, Mm. being able to put that hat back on and articulate, why do you care that I'm teaching you this? Why do you care that you're learning this? How is this going to help you make money? Um, and, and consistently putting that hat back on with not just, you know, training or enablement uh, projects or launches that I'm a part of, but for teams I work with peripherally, being able to be that voice, having had that voice myself of like, you know, this is great, but we need to know how is this going to help them make money? Because they're going to constantly be asking that question when they're watching you present. And if they can't answer it the first time it gets asked, then you've lost and they're not going to pay attention. Yeah. Yes, 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 all of that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and it's interesting too, because we, as enablement, we exist to help them be more productive, but their job is not to do whatever the enablement is. Like their job is not to take the training or to read the, 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 you know, the, the playbook, but they need to, to be more, to be more productive. So if we can show them, or if we can have that empathy of 
why this is important and how it's going to be beneficial for them then then all day long and i think both of you are coming from their perspective of i know what that feels like i know how every minute as a salesperson is important and therefore for my productivity and i'm and i live and die by hitting my quota and therefore everything i'm going to give is going to help them do, help the people do that so i think it, it gives you it, it so benefits the the people that you're enabling that you're putting that that perspective on and it also obviously makes that you're you're more on point with what you do and it, it is interesting because as you as you guys were talking i was thinking that i was supposed to go to a professional development seminar that i had signed up for months ago um and it was meant to be an in-person at a retreat type of event and obviously you know corona happened and everything got canceled and the company decided to offer it as a um, virtual retreat where we log on via Zoom and, and it was a full day. And I chose to attend it as anyway. And I sat there the whole day making notes of what not to do when you're running a virtual event because it, <laughs> and it was putting myself back into that seat of, oh, wow, if I tell my sales, you know, people that I'm enabling that I'm just going to do whatever I was going to do in person, let's say onboarding or product training, or whatever, I'm going to do it now online. Like, oh, yeah, no, it doesn't translate 100%. And, and what I, what you were saying reminded me of like, put yourself back into that, into that um, my, mindset and my, mind frame, which I think you are both doing naturally every day as you're enabling people, which I think mm -hmm. is so important. So really, really great insight in in how to do that so you know we talked about you know the fact that you both described your transition and how you got here and you've had a a, a really interesting journey to get there well what would you say what kind of a support and you talked about you know needing support what kind of a support do you think it will actually let me back up and ask you a question, different question first what acumen do you think somebody needs to have, if let's say somebody listening to this is like, I'm a salesperson and I, and I am that person that's helping with onboarding, or I am very attracted to teaching or some, a lot of the things that you're describing, what are some of the, the, the skills and the attributes that you think will make someone successful or some of those things that carry over really nicely into sales enablement? I feel like you have to, you have to have like two sides of a coin. One is that you have to be like big picture and tactical at the same time. Mm. Because um, you have to be able to think down granularly, like about what the reps are gonna, if you're doing a training or implementing some kind of process, like what are the nitty gritty tactical details that reps are gonna have to do or change or whatever that is, that stuff's really important. And this is something that I skill that I'm continuing to learn to do but to also be able to look big picture, not just mm. tactically, what is this small project, but how does that fit into a bigger um, methodology or vision or what is the bigger project that you're working on, whether that's for mm. in six months in a year and five years mm -hmm. um, and being able to balance the two of, be, of making sure that you're working on really tactical things that are going to be relevant for reps, but then also being able to have that bigger picture. Cause if you have one and not the other, Mm -hmm. things I feel like are really challenging to navigate. And that's something that yeah. I'm continuing to work on that balance. Yeah. And that's a hard balance. Right. And, and I think uh, what I, what I really appreciate in what you're saying is that in the, in the, in the tactical side, it's kind of not skipping steps, right? Like, especially when you know, a lot of times we go into enablement and I think Rachel, you might've said something about like, um, you know, by teaching, uh, maybe Sophie, I don't remember anymore which one of you said it. Um, you kind of learn things through your teaching 
And um, I think Sophia, you said it. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that that makes it harder. And enablement has this thing, you know, I tell people in enablement, like you can end up being the smartest person in the room because you have to really know things so well. <laughs> to teach you, you might not start out the smartest person in the room, but long <laughs> enough, you will be the smartest person in the room. But that ends up being a little bit of a handicap too, because we know it so well, right? And so you have to almost go back. The analogy that I, that I give a lot is, you're taught, you have an alien in the room that's a really, really smart alien, but doesn't know anything about what it is that you're wanting them to do. And so you have to remember the steps that you, that it took you to get there and break it down to, you know, into those little teeny tiny steps, but also knowing where are my steps leading me to, where mm -hmm. am I going at the end of the day? And so being able to have that vision of a, where are we going, but, and, and where do the steps need to get me, but what are each step so they don't trip over the steps. And I think that that's a very interesting point that you're making is that you, you want to be able to be thinking both ways. And, and, you know, to your point earlier in a larger team, you may have one person just doing vision and one person just doing execution. If you're a one person show or a smaller, you know, two or three person show, then everyone has to be kind of playing both games. So I think that's a very um, interesting insight. What about Rachel, from your perspective, what, what are some of those skills that you think are important? It's so funny that you use the alien analogy because I was going to say, <laughs> I don't know if this is a skill, but I always refer to the alien analogy that you gave. <laughs> um, I, I came up with my own analogy for this recently. and I, I don't know if it's a skill or an acumen, but with enablement, you often have to go through the exercise continuously as you build out any training mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. you are giving someone a recipe but you have to tell them what they're making because otherwise it's super confusing. They, they don't know what the purpose of each ingredient is or what it should look like or um, how it should be served, what temperature, et cetera. And so telling them and continuing to signpost and just keeping that lens in mind of whether it's and working with this really smart alien, I just have to communicate at every chance and, and through every training, you know, what it is that we're doing and where we're going, or even with the recipe, like this is what we're making, this is why we're making it, this is how you make it. Um, you have to continuously go through that exercise. So what I'm hearing is communication, right? Yeah. Obviously very, uh, very strong and process, right? Having the step-by-step -step and, and the, and, and where it's kind of leading to um, and almost like an organization and storytelling is what I'm mm -hmm. hearing also, right? Like a recipe is a good example of a story of where we're actually going. And it's funny when you say recipe, because and I might've shared this with you once with either of you once, but my grandmother made the oh. best chocolate cake ever, right? Yes. Like I told you the story, right? Oh, that's my <laughs> yeah, favorite so story. Good. But like she made the best chocolate cake and I wanted to make it so badly. And she gave me the recipe and I made it and it came out horrible. And I called her up afterwards. I was like, I followed it exactly step by step. And it just doesn't taste like anything like your chocolate cake. And she's like, you know, like I taste it in the middle. And if, me, if I feel it, not taste it because it's baking, but like if it needed a little bit more flour, I threw in a little bit more flour. If it needed a little bit more. And I'm like, but you didn't tell me that. She's like, oh, you have to feel it. And I'm like, no, it doesn't help me. Right. And so it's like, really like, what is the step so that I can make the chocolate cake or I can, you know, do, you know, sell the, do the demo or sell the, the product. So communication, story, story is so important in sales enablement. It's all about crafting the story and it's about that organization. So really, really important points that you're both pointing out. So let's talk about the, you know, the support you both mentioned, um, some of the support that you think you needed. 
what are some support that you think somebody should look for um, when, if they're making this, making this transition or if they decide that, yeah, I'm going to, or, or even like from a CRO's perspective or a VP of sales perspective, both of you, you know, shared that your sales leader came over to you and said, hey, we think you're, you know, we're seeing, you know, that you're doing this and you're a good fit for this. What kind of support should they ask for? What kind of, what kind of support should the leader look to offer? Um, shameless plug, I still have my <laughs> apprenticeship program from level 213 printed out in a binder that I mm. reference all the time. And um, I would recommend that to anyone that's looking for support um, and like ask for that be given to them or mm -hmm. access to a professional development stipend so that you can get like learning designer adult learning theory books. Um, anything you can get your hands on so that you can recognize how adult learners best digest information, mm -hmm. then, and this is something that you don't just do once when you're transitioning. I think this is something that you kind of have to do all the time. Consistently ask stakeholders in the organization, what is the goal of this? Like, what is, what is the point for you? What is the point for your team? Of this being what? Of like enabling, or enable enablement or the project that you're asking enablement to take on you have to be super clear about what value you're providing if you were to transition as you're transitioning and then even after the transition ah uh, oh, oh so what is the goal what you're saying is like you should ask the leader who's asking the transition like what are you trying what are you hoping that i accomplish in this new role yeah got it got it exactly yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. and then yeah. holding them accountable to providing that type of support to achieve that goal together Okay, mm -hmm. you decided this is important. I'm asking for a partnership in this way to make sure that this is successful. Yeah, yeah. So um, not to do a shameless plug, but just to explain what you're talking about. We one of the yeah. things that I appreciate doing the most in in my work today is working with people making this transition because we're I'm very passionate about enabling the next level of uh, generation of enablement. And so we in Level Two Thirteen have put together what we call either an apprenticeship program, and now we also have it as an online course, the accelerator program to help people make this transition. So that's what Rachel, um, both Rachel <laughs> and Sophie had gone through that, and that's what Rachel's referring to. Uh, so thank you for that plug. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, I think, yeah, being, you know, I love how you talked about, like, you know, really understanding how adults learn. And what I'm hearing is, like, make sure you're enabling yourself. And I think one of the things that even myself today, having done enablement for 10 plus years and, and with other enablement leaders that I work with is continue to enable yourself and really understand what's going on in our space so that we can continue to, to then turn it around and help other people. So um, I really appreciate that you're saying that. What about, Sophie, from your perspective? I would say... Also, I, I mean, when thinking about support and the support that you need, if, I, if I'm thinking about someone that's out here listening to this, like, hey, I'm an individual contributor and I'm thinking about making this switch or I've recently been given a proposition to take on this role, is it something that I want to do? I would, be, I would say keep asking for support. Um, I think that if I had pushed harder to get um, level 213 on board with the enablement program that I started sooner, we would have been able to accomplish so much more. But there was a lot of time that lapsed. And so I would say just that program in particular, because it's so structured and so focused on exactly for what I needed. Um, and we saw dividends from it immediately. I would say if, if there is a, a leader out there that's asking an individual contributor, hey, come and create my sales enablement program, um, 
that I, I would, if I could do it again, would have pushed for it immediately. And then um, I really like what Rachel said about holding leaders accountable for your development. Um, so if they're pitching you on a new role, you're going to say, well, to push back and say, I'm going to need help doing that. This isn't something that I've done before necessarily. And then to hold them accountable for making sure to continue to support you. I would say that that if, if I, if I did it all over again, would be definitely on my list of things that I would have made sure to push for and hold the leadership accountable to make sure that I was getting the support that I needed. Cause it wasn't that they didn't want to support me is some of it was, I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, and often they don't know what they don't know. Right. Exactly. They didn't know yeah. what they didn't know. And so we were a little bit of the blind leading the blind there, but it's That's harder than a lot about. of people think people, a lot of people think, Oh, you're a good seller. You should just go be an enabler, but it's not, that's not that easy. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's an interesting thing that both of you are really saying is that, and I, and I think about this a lot, is that, you know, when you're an SDR and you move up to an AE, there are other AEs that you can learn from. When you're an AE, you're moving up to, you know, a sales manager, let's say there are other sales managers that you can learn from, or your boss is usually doing the same job as you. In enablement, in, in many cases, especially in the cases that both of you are referring to, you, there was no one in the building that knew anything about enablement more than you right? Mm -hmm. The sales leader has never done that job either. They may have done parts of that job and there are parts of that job that, that sit in product marketing and there are little pieces of it, but there's really nobody in the room to look to and say, who, who can help me figure out how to do this? And, you know, a lot of times the sales leader, in your case, Rachel, uh, your sales leader did know enablement from previous um, uh, jobs and, and probably Sophie yours as well. But, you know, enablement has evolved so much over the years. And what does it even really mean? What am I really asking you to do? And they can't help you because it's not something that they do. They may understand why it's important, but not necessarily something they can do. So I think, mm -hmm. I think you're both making a really interesting point of like, make sure that you have the resources and you have the playbook and that you have, um, you know, you can learn from the best and from, or not even for people that have done this before. And, and as it continues to evolve um, and people that may have worked for bigger companies or smaller companies, the thing about enablement too is, you know, when I, when I walked in, um, I was, uh, I led the sales enablement function at a company called Optimizely. When I walked in, um, we were at one stage when I left three years later, it was a completely different company and therefore in the enablement needs were completely different, right? And, and, and so you want to make sure that you have someone who's guiding you. And, and there are programs out there, one that we have, um, you know, and, and there's some other resources out there um, as well, but making sure that you're getting those resources and making sure that you're continuing to enable yourself, I think is what I'm hearing pretty loud and clear from both of you. Um, so it, 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 interestingly, both of you started as a, um, an AE at a, at a and at, I'm sorry, started enablement at a company where you were a first AE. And now you're both working at other companies where you went in as, as enablement, as the experienced enablement person or as people with enablement. And I'm really curious um, what, what you saw in the difference and how you gain credibility. And I guess my real question is how do you gain credibility uh, for the people that you're gonna be selling? And I'd love to have the perspective of when you've been the AE getting that the credibility or when you've coming in just as, as someone from outside the business, right? And not having the, the, the experience within the company itself. So Rachel, let's start with you. How did you see, how did you go about, you know, gaining credit credibility as you made that transition from AE to enablement and then from enablement going to another company as the enablement expert? That's a really good question. Um, my first pass at my previous company going from an account executive to an enablement role 
um, was kind of cheating because I <laughs> was really trusted to train other people to sell the way that I sold because at the time I was the top biller of the company. So people kind of look to me naturally for guidance or advice or to shadow their calls or to kind of help them out and, and teach them to do what I was doing that enabled me to be successful. Um, so I gained credibility quickly <laughs> and then learned a pretty tough lesson that the surest way you could fail in enablement or even as a manager is to force other people to sell the way that you sell. Um, mm -hmm. So it was like a, a a quickly gained credibility that I lost and then had to like prove myself <laughs> and, and go back again and really prove out that the content I was building was going to help them in a way that wasn't just trying to like force them to do what I did. Um, taking that lesson with me, transitioning from my last company in sales enablement to my new company in sales enablement is for people that aren't familiar with sales enablement or, or don't know that you were a successful salesperson. So it's coming in maybe not having credibility and and i don't know if you guys have seen the last dance raz it's a sports documentary so probably not no i haven't seen it <laughs> um, but in summary there's a there's a snippet the one Michael. thing i like about COVID 19 is there's no sports but yeah there's no sports. <laughs> you're gonna watch the documentary and you're gonna like it there's a lot of enablement nuggets um but in, in summary one thing that i really liked that michael jordan said was when i came into the league i was a rookie and I knew how good I was, but I had to shut up and show it. Mm. And so not, not talking about what you did previously, not talking about what worked for you, but like really looking at Slack and seeing what challenges are people talking about, kind of putting your ear to the ground and hearing what are people concerned about? What do they need? What do they want in an ally from enablement? And even just gaining credibility one off and like saying like, mm -hmm. Hey, I saw you asking about this. Have you tried X, Y, Z or, Hey, I found this blog post and I saw that you were, um, kind of thinking about this differently. Here's how you can use this and having those like micro enablement moments on an individual basis. That's how I've started to gain credibility so far and have actually had people come to me and say like, Oh, I heard you helped so-and-so mm -hmm. with that thing that they slacked about and like, are you guys going to train on this? Cause we could really use a training on that. Um, so just taking a back seat and kind of like mm -hmm. shut up and show it the way mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Michael Jordan kind of referenced. Mm -hmm. I believe you that he said that. So um, I think this is a great conversation. I really appreciate kind of both of your perspectives on this. And I think it's such an important conversation. I think was because today, especially in the world we're living in today, I think, a lot of companies that might not have enablement, enablement became so much more important um, than it ever was. And we talk, we've talked about that in the previous episodes. Um, so sometimes it might be pulling someone from within your, your existing organization to kind of make it happen or bringing in someone from the outside. So really having both of yours perspective on that was, is really interesting and insightful. Um, Thank you both. This was fantastic. This was so insightful. And I'm so excited for people to hear about your journey and to be inspired by your journey because I'm inspired by your journey. And and I, I know how far you both have come and what you're both doing today. And I have such pride in that. And I'm so excited that you were able to share this wisdom with um, some other people in this really incredible topic because I think that you know, somebody in some cases, your sales leaders have asked me, you know, if you can choose somebody that has worked in that, that's been in sales 
experience or customer facing experience or enablement experience, where would you go? And my answer is always, I will go to a sales experience and teach them enablement because I can't teach them that sales gut Mm -hmm. um, as easily. And I love that both of you have been able to prove that and um, demonstrate that and be a a leader in showing that. So thank you both so much. Thank you. Um, And uh, you can find them both on LinkedIn um, and uh, we appreciate your time. As we close out today's episode, we would like to thank purpleplanet.com for our music production. And we thank you for listening. We encourage you to get in touch with us with any requests for future topics, any questions that you have, or just to say hello. We can be found at level213.com. That's L-E-V-E-L and then the digits 213.com. Or you can always find us on LinkedIn as well. Have a great day.